This episode is brought to you by Automotus. Automotus is creating safer, more sustainable streets for everyone with first-of-its-kind automated curb management solutions to help reduce emissions, congestion, and safety hazards in our communities. Learn more at automotus.co. The Parking Podcast is brought to you by the International Parking and Mobility Institute, the world's largest association for professionals in parking, mobility, and transportation. Learn more at parking-mobility.org. The Parking Podcast is brought to you by Vade. Vade helps cities understand and manage the curb by measuring when, where, and why it's used with wireless cameras and computer vision. Vade powers data-driven decisions that reduce congestion, improve pedestrian and bicycle safety, and better serve today's demand. Learn more at vade.ai. listening to the parking podcast views and opinions are my own welcome back to another episode of the parking podcast with us today is jordan justice co-founder and ceo of automotives how are you doing today jordan i'm doing better now that i'm on the parking podcast thanks for having me isaiah <laughs> i heard this was your number one item on your bucket list for 2023 so i'm so happy i can uh, accommodate your lifelong dream here yeah number one two and three i'm, I'm stoked to be here <laughs> okay all right, so a lot going on with Automotus. Uh, can't wait to dive in to all of it, but you know, I think this is a kind of an entrepreneurial journey here. I'd like to hear kind of how. Tell us about the genesis. How did the idea start to start Automotus? Yeah, yeah, happy to. I think uh, you know a lot of people in this industry don't necessarily expect to end up here, but one thing leads to another, and and that's really what happened here. My business partner and I, Harris, we were studying at Loyola Marymount University in LA when we had a, a parking company's investor, uh, Park Me, their former investor, Angelino Group, come into an IoT class that we were taking. And they referenced the Don Shoup study that 30% of traffic is caused by drivers searching for parking. And at the same time, I had an internship in Santa Monica. I was spending 30 to 45 minutes every day driving five to six miles. And yeah, I was, I was sick of it. And when I heard about the study, I thought, you know, wow, there's, there's something to be done here at the same time, computer vision technology or video analytics, which is really what we do was uh, in its infancy to some extent, but becoming a lot more prominent. And I thought there's a lot of opportunity here to automate parking, to help relieve traffic. And the more we dug into the problem, the more I cold called, you know, anybody and everybody in the parking industry that would answer my call, the more we understood, you know, how many different threads there are here and the intersection of parking and not just traffic, but also safety hazards and emissions and economic development and how parking is really an integral part of operations in cities that is often overlooked. And so that was a long-winded uh, way of telling you how we got started and what really inspired us to to dive in um, and decide that we would take this problem on. 
No, that's great. And it's, you mentioned the Shoup study and uh, you come full circle where now Donald Shoup is actually on your strategic advisory board. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. He was one of the first people, fortunately, uh, I met in the industry, actually. Um, but yeah, Don's a, Don's a great guy and a character and someone we're fortunate to be able to lean on and call whenever we, we run into some obstacles. Yeah. Um, and maybe you guys are already thinking about this when I was talking to him recently and he mentioned, I think, a small study in LA that found that like 6% of violators receive a parking ticket. So I don't know if you guys have done your, this was a small, you know, one block study. So I'm curious kind of if you have used your cameras because he was interested in this topic. And I don't know if you talked with him about it, but basically seeing how many vehicles park versus pay the equipment or parked illegally in a bus stop or commercial loading zone versus actually get a ticket. But I'm sure it's like a very, very low percent, but I don't know if that's something in your wheelhouse or not. Yeah, it's certainly um, it's something that we look at in a number of ways. We weren't involved in that study, uh, but yeah, I guess generally just provide some context to folks. What we do is really um, two things, but regardless, we deploy cameras to monitor curb space. But one piece of that is analyzing activity. That's you know, one traffic counts, two park events, three double park events, and you know dwell times associated with both of those. And we do look at a lot of parking and traffic data. Um, 6% certainly doesn't um, strike me as, as off by any means. I mean, we see 5 to 10% really is the average of, of violations that are captured. But when you start to look at you know double parks and bike lane violations and things like that, that are also, you know, parking violations that can even, you know, 6% can be a bit high. We see in the cities that we work with more than a third of all parking is now double parking, which is pretty crazy. Granted, we primarily wow. focus on commercial activity, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of challenges that cities are facing as a result of that. Well, and separately, that's... just to, to close the loop there, what else do we do? Our, our bread and butter is really automation, helping cities automate payment enforcement operations at the curb just to provide a little bit of context yeah no that helps and um let's take it even more granular you're talking about helping cities with this automation and payments and loading zones uh we recently had dave Honorado and gwen bolden with the public parking authority of pittsburgh on the podcast and they mentioned uh how much fun they're having with the automotive project can you tell us kind of what you're doing there to give our listeners an idea of a specific case study yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I uh, I did listen to that episode, actually. Always great to to see and hear Dave and Gwen. But yeah, super fortunate to be working with with those folks and the city of Pittsburgh. They're an incredibly uh, forward-leaning city and and authority. But generally, yeah, we're, we're helping the city of Pittsburgh tackle the, the double parking problem. They've seen in the last few years as a result of I think a lot of behavior change that really stemmed from the pandemic, but as part of an overall trend, just massive growth in commercial vehicle activity, whether that's you know, Amazon, UPS, FedEx, or DoorDash, Uber Eats, Postmates, just by and large, a lot more short-term, what we call micro stays at the curb. And it resulted in a lot more safety hazards, congestion, emissions from people circling the block. And so what we decided to do was deploy smart loading zones there, essentially starting to meter loading because by and large loading zones have been free. And when cities have tried to charge for them in meters or in apps, commercial drivers just don't pay. They're, you know, either one 
unable to companies like FedEx, Amazon, UPS, they don't allow their drivers to open up a phone or designate a company account for them to put coins in a meter. Mm. And even the you know, drivers like Uber Eats drivers, DoorDash drivers, they're not taking the time to put money in a meter or even open up an app. And so not only are they not paying, I mean, a lot of cities are just yanking out meters to to give this because they don't know what to do to give it away for free when it should not be free. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's exactly right. There's you know, a massive increase in demand from a segment of the market that's really just not paying today. So we deployed smart loading zones where our cameras monitored these zones, read license plates of vehicles on the way in, and automatically charge vehicles. So if they stop for 10 minutes and it's 10 cents a minute and license plates, ABC123, we look it up, we see, okay, that's you know, Isaiah's car. We're going to charge Isaiah a you know, dollar. Um, and so if you're registered with us digitally, you pay completely automatically. You have an account. If you're not, we'll send you a citation in the mail or in some cases in other cities, an invoice in the mail. So we've been working with yeah Pittsburgh for a while now. We ended up winning a Department of Energy grant uh, in partnership with them too to implement discounted pricing at the curb for electric vehicles versus internal combustion vehicles so that they can start to incentivize mode shift. A lot of companies like Amazon, UPS, FedEx, they have their electrification plans where they're rolling out Rivian vans or the new Ford e-transit vans. But a lot of the mom and pop companies, you know, they feel the prices at the curb a bit more. And if you can help incentivize them mm -hmm. by saving them 10% here, 30% there, you can start to see what we've seen as much as a, a four times acceleration in mode shift, which is which is pretty exciting. But it's a great project. We're scaling up to 200 zones in, in Pittsburgh here um, right now. And yeah, really fortunate to be working with that great team. And yeah, got some uh, exciting uh, data points to share too. Yeah. I mean, we've all been talking about that. I remember when the first time I heard the term curb management at an IPMI show, probably, man, eight, 10 years ago. And we've all been wanting to charge for the curb. You know, airports did it like LAX, I think, kind of. You know, for for TNCs to even to drive into the airport to pick up and drop off, there's a per transaction charge. That's I don't know if it's passed on to the customer or Uber pays for it, but with our cities, we just you know there's no easy entry exit point, so it was just it was the wild west where people are doing whatever they want. So to have a solution like yours that can solve that and monetize the curb is is very very exciting. Do you do you have numbers now? Kind of like. I know it's still pilot phase, um, or maybe that's not the right term, but I know you're still in the early stages. Do you have like 50, 100 fleet people signed? Like how, kind of what's it looking like as far as people registering their license plates to get the automatic invoicing? Yeah, I think we've got a little bit over a thousand accounts now here in Pittsburgh, maybe wow. a bit more. The last I checked was probably about a month ago. And yeah, a lot of those, you know, each account can have multiple vehicles. So there's some large fleet operators, uh, DSPs, Amazon, other companies that are have been eager, not just willing, but eager to sign up for a program like this. Because, you know, while you may think who wants to pay for parking if they haven't been for so long, there's a lot of inherent challenges in mm -hmm. not paying today for them. Because, you know, without reliable curb space and the ability to access, a lot of these fleets spend time circling the block, searching for parking, and really adding operational inefficiencies in addition to 
parking tickets. A lot of these fleets spend massive amounts on parking tickets. I think UPS spent a little bit north of $300 million last That's, year. I was going to say, even like in New York City alone, we've all seen that article or study like FedEx, you know, several million dollars in parking. They just budget it. You know, it's just so bad that, like you said, these mom and pops, a uh, $100 ticket or pay, you know, a dollar for the time you actually parked. I think it's uh, it, it's a definitely helping and saving them money to register their vehicles. Yeah, and there's you know there's some interesting nuances there too because one, I mean, parking tickets are not tax deductible. It's a government fine. It's a cost that you eat. But if you pay for parking as a business expense, you can write that off. So if you're a mom and pop shop, you can say, hey, "This is a part of our operations," and get a tax break on that. Where parking ticket, you just have to eat that. And then separately for some of the larger DSPs. They'll spend north of 20, 30% of their driver's time during an entire day searching for parking, which is crazy. It's a massive bottleneck. Mm, yeah. And one of the biggest problems from for them actually is something they call uh, it's a save our ship where a truck's behind on its schedule for that day. And so they'll send another van out to meet up with that van or that truck, unload half the packages, throw it in a separate vehicle. And then they've got two vehicles doing one route because the first driver couldn't find parking for the first half of the day. So there's a lot of additional challenges, emissions, inefficiencies, safety hazards that come with you know, the way that a lot of these systems are operating today. But there's also a ton of opportunity for cities to start to take back the public right-of-way and you know, rein in some of this chaos. Wow, that's, man, that's, that's exciting. That's you know, definitely a, a need for that. The demand's there. So, so glad you guys are tackling that to fix our cities with this issue any other um you know using your camera solutions your technology but something different i think i've read stuff about maybe uh registered green vehicles and you know um any any, any other things you guys are doing that that you want to talk about uh yeah i mean happy to I, we're we're super fortunate to work with a lot of great partners you know city partners but also technology partners, industry partners, federal agencies. Um, so, you know, none of what we're doing is by any means exclusively um, the result of, of our work. Albeit, you know, we have a great team. We're doing some really great work, but we're fortunate to have a lot of great partners. Um, just to add in that as a, as a caveat, uh, but yeah, to your point, we are working on some other projects. I'd say the bulk of our projects are broken down into two buckets. One is smart loading zones, uh, which we just covered in Pittsburgh. And we're doing that in a, a lot of other great cities like Omaha, Bethlehem, um, some other big cities too across the country that we can't exactly talk about yet, but you'll see more shortly. Uh, but we are also doing a lot of zero emissions delivery zones, helping cities allocate uh, curb space exclusively for zero emissions, commercial loading and unloading, which is a big topic of discussion in cities that are really trying to reduce GHG emissions uh, on the roadways from vehicles that have a disproportionate amount of emissions. And so in cities of Santa Monica and Los Angeles, we deployed, I think the two first zero emissions delivery zones in the nation where essentially we, we were monitoring curb space that was allocated exclusively for electric or active transportation modes for package deliveries. I think, you know, electric Rivian van for Amazon or an e-cargo bike or just a, you know, good old fashioned bicycle that someone's using for deliveries. And essentially what we were doing is helping the cities monitor those zones to see the effectiveness that they were having and 
accelerating uh, the transition to electric vehicles and really helping understand how the roadways and, and curbs are better be or are being used today. Um, super interesting projects. Yeah, they've all gotten scaled up as well with some federal funding. What we found is we still have a long way to go, though. The data shows, by and large, less than three percent of all curb activity is electric, even in cities like Santa Monica, which are, you know, probably one of the most forward-leaning zip codes as it relates to electrification. Or, you know, forward-leaning or, you know, well-to-do. Yeah, it may be more of an overlap there than one or the other. But nonetheless, uh, still a long way to go, but super interesting concepts. And we're seeing a lot of cities now implement uh, what I just talked about with Pittsburgh, too, is just differentiated rate structures to um, try to accelerate electrification as well. Man, that's awesome. What a great story. I remember reading the article. That's the one about, I think, Santa Monica. That's uh, really exciting what you guys are doing. And um, I want to talk to you work with a lot of cities. I, I know one of your advisors is Donald Shoup. Another one was Gabe Klein, who I've had on the podcast. He wrote a book called Startup City, talking about you know wanting cities to be uh, more entrepreneurial. I think we've talked about this. We both read that book, but I don't know what's been your what's been your experience working with cities on like a new revolutionary topic. Like, there's no maybe there's no competitors. There's not really a place for an RFP. Kind of how has your experience been? Have cities been open to this? How um, uh, any thoughts about cities after COVID being more entrepreneurial or um, any thoughts in general about trying to break through into city markets? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think now, especially after COVID cities have had to be incredibly entrepreneurial. I haven't talked to a single city that isn't understaffed, isn't under-resourced, doesn't have the support or does have the support rather that they need to not only just keep the wheel spinning because I, you know, I think there's a couple of challenges. One, it's just you know, keeping the wheel spinning. That's providing all of these critical services to citizens that don't necessarily realize it, maybe take it for granted, but are critical operations that require a lot of people working in, in union to make big things happen. And every city right now that I've talked to is, is understaffed. They've got maybe in the low end, 10%, 20% of their jobs open on the high end as much as 50%. So cities have had to figure out how to do more with less. And part of that certainly is implementing technologies, but part of it's you know, really just being crafty and, and trying to figure out how to find ways to uh, implement new practices, new solutions, new policies that enable them to be a bit more efficient. You know, we're really fortunate in that we had some great early partners who you know, really helped one shape our our technology our product and have helped us build really successful case studies around what can be accomplished with automated curb management um, and as a result i think we've got a pretty solid blueprint for what can be more of a plug and play solution now in a lot of cities you know, deploying things like smart loading zones or zero emissions delivery zones Without having to reinvent the wheel, you know, showing up with, uh, you know, hey, here's a here's a project plan, here's a a template ordinance that cities of Santa Monica, Pittsburgh, Omaha, Bethlehem, you know, you name it, used to implement these types of solutions, and that's made it quite a bit easier. The other thing that we found helps is, yeah, you know, I think there's a lot of talk about this generally is that going back to to Shoop and more broadly, the curb is 
an asset that has largely been priced based off of political will or or lack of will to some extent historically you know parking is very political as everybody in the municipal parking world knows and when you talk about raising rates you talk about taking parking that's a, a topic of contention but the commercial aspect of it loading zones it's really kind of a new frontier for lack of a better word in yeah. the parking world and that it hasn't been priced before and there's a lot of opportunity to implement you know pricing systems that align more with the behavior and and what you're trying to get so it actually in every city that we've deployed smart loading zones in uh the city's deployed a, a graduated rate which is something actually that Gabe came up with and he has a good article on it somewhere out there um if you want to look it up just type in Gabe Klein graduated rates parking yeah, sure I'll come I'll, up I'll put in the episode notes yeah absolutely yeah but it's basically the idea the longer you're there the more you pay you know, the first five minutes, maybe it's seven cents a minute. The next 10 minutes, maybe it jumps up to 12 cents a minute, so on and so forth to where if you're there for an hour, you're paying maybe 20, 25 cents, 30 cents a minute. And it incentivizes turnover. And so because commercial vehicles you know, are generally stopping for five to seven minutes, a rate like that helps incentivize turnover and ensures that space is available to users that need it the most. As a result, it generates a lot of new revenue for cities, which presents new procurement options, potential, you know, private-public partnership models, which is another, you know, shout out to the the startup city by Gabe. But really, you know, presents an opportunity for cities to deploy solutions like this without digging into their existing budget, because there is found money out there yeah. that can fund new initiatives. No, I was gonna say, yeah, I. Uh... I don't have data in it, but just from managing cities and actually on the field writing parking tickets with my team over the years, it's like a lot of times we blame the employees of the downtown businesses parking at the meters. That's the problem with turn with cruising and traffic. But I just from observation, it, it seems like it's usually the Budweiser truck that's double parked with his flashers on and no one can get over. The someone parked in a bus stop, so the bus is double parked. It's the FedEx, you know, it's like the problems I, I've seen are, have been more commercial loading and, and uh, those types of delivery of vehicles have been way bigger than the employee staying longer. And I've had Shoop on, and he actually, changing the subject here, he, he talked about that um, using pricing instead of signage for turnover. Instead of saying this is a two-hour zone or three-hour zone, say exactly what you said, not for commercials, but for personal transient meters, regular meters as well. like. It's a dollar for the first hour, $4 for the second hour, $8 for the third hour, $20 for fourth hour. It doesn't matter. Like if, if you want to stay eight hours, you can, but the city's going to make a lot of money off that. Most people are going to be encouraged to turn the vehicle over. Uh, you talked about uh, ordinances, and I'm sure that was, uh, I'm glad to hear you making progress there because can a city um, mail the, the parking ticket? Can the ordinance, um, you know, so it's, a lot of things that you guys are trailblazing and make it easier for our cities moving forward. So Jordan, we're, we're uh, pressed for time here. So just wanted to ask you, you know, when you're not helping cities with all this exciting technology, uh, uh, what do you like to do for fun? Oh, good question. Um, I love to travel. You know, that's one of the beauty uh, beauties of being in this industry and, and working with so many cities is I've probably seen you know 20 to 30 cities over the last year just by way of 
trying to to help solve some some parking and traffic problems. And so I love love seeing cities for the first time and just walking around, getting to know the the neighborhood, the layout. Love to to eat good food, try and stay active when I can, play some basketball or. Uh, we just had a, a team event not that long ago. We were playing some beach volleyball here out in LA. So I love to, yeah, just be in the community and travel, try and solve some problems when I can and That's, meet great people like you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. And I've been to 48 states and um, like most of them have been for work, paid for by work. So same thing. I love, I love our cities. I love visiting them, sightseeing and seeing what makes each city unique. I've been blessed just like you to work with many of them. So that's, that's, that's great. And uh, how can listeners follow along or learn more about all these exciting things Automotive is doing? Yeah. Yeah. Well, check us out on LinkedIn or Twitter. Look up Automotive or the, the blue a with that looks like a road. Um, feel free to shoot me a message or um, an email. Email is Jordan at automotive.com co.co and yeah would love to to meet more great folks in the industry making it happen it takes a village and got a ton of sharp and dedicated minds here it's just how can we make this sum greater than its parts and you have Romy. he's not too bad either no no it's <laughs> fortunate to have Romy. Yeah. makes everything a little bit easier <laughs> that's awesome well, Jordan, thank you so yeah. much for being on the podcast and for your support of the podcast and all you're doing to help our cities. I hope you have a great weekend. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Isaiah. Much appreciated. Talk soon. This episode is brought to you by Parker Technology, the customer experience solution of choice in the parking industry. Parker Solution puts a virtual ambassador in every lane to help parking guests pay and get on their way in under a minute. Parker helps capture revenue, provides better customer service, enables your staff to focus on other on-site tasks and keeps traffic moving, all according to your business rules. With the Parker solution, you'll also enjoy access to real-time call data and recordings. Learn more at helpmeparker.com slash parking podcast. This episode is brought to you by Taz Technology. Since 1993, Taz has developed innovative text-based mobile solutions designed to streamline operations, increase efficiency, and improve overall customer experiences. My favorite is the ability to pay for parking without having to download an app. Tez Solutions includes SMS valet, text to park, permit to park, and much more. I think every organization or city or university should be adding Tez to their payment options arsenal. Learn more about Tez at tezhq.com. This episode is brought to you by RiseTech. RiseTech's Verge data analytics and reporting platform delivers a powerful management solution with integration to your existing technologies. I've actually seen this and it's pretty cool. I hope you check it out. Learn why some of the largest cities in the United States, such as New York City, are using RiseTech to solve their parking and transportation challenges at risetechglobal.com forward slash parking podcast. Thank you.